All right, if you would, Acts chapter 6 this morning. Acts chapter 6, we're continuing to make our way through our study of making a difference. And uh, we've been here now. This is our sixth lesson that we're looking at today. We'll be in Acts chapter 6, and we're going to be talking about this subject of working together, sharing responsibility, and reaching people uh, for Christ. I don't know if you know this or not or realize this or not, but the devil is constantly attempting to divide the followers of Christ. He's always attempting to make division among the people of Christ. The book of Psalm, in chapter number 13, it says, Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell in unity. Now, on our Wednesday evening prayer list, uh, for as long as I can remember, probably 35 or 40 years now, uh, we have asked you to pray that our church would be one with a spirit of unity among each one of us, that unity makes us together a team. Let's quickly look back at the things we have studied these last few weeks. We began making a difference by relationship, developing relationships which allows us the opportunity uh, to give the gospel of Christ out. had a privilege to talk to someone this week uh, who I am in the befriending time of ministry with them. Uh, I know that they're cold and harsh towards spiritual things, and that we just try to be a testimony until I can earn the right. And a gentleman told me this week, he said, there's something different about y'all. And I like that, and I'm praying that God opens the door. I had a little privilege to witness to him this week, but there is a relationship building. We studied that week one. Number uh, two, week two, we looked at caring. Caring for others, caring for those of the church, caring for those of the world. Week three, we talked about being filled with the Holy Spirit makes a difference in life. And then week uh, number four, we looked at generosity and our stewardship of the things that God gives us. Last Sunday, we looked at faithfulness and uh, the fact that it is required of a steward that a man be found faithful. And we said in order to make a difference, we have to go the distance. Now, the first five chapters of the book of Acts that we've studied on the early church, the church was making a difference. The great, and I said this last Sunday, and I think it's sort of something that I'm going to pick up on for a while, the great commission, which is the great command, all right, the great command that was given to us to evangelize the world came its closest to being fulfilled in the first century. And you say this, well, that's because there wasn't 7 billion people. No, it wasn't the size of the world at the time. It was the involvement and the teamwork and the spirit within the church that caused the church to at first be added to and then second to be multiplied. We'll look at those two words a little bit later in the lesson this morning. First five chapters, everything has gone pretty well the church is making a difference. And when we come to chapter 6, we begin to see some struggle. There had been a lot of things outside of the church, but in chapter 6, there comes up some uh, discrepancy inside uh, the church. And sometimes the largest, most difficult battles that we find in life are not those from without, but those from within. And now in chapter 6, we're going to begin to see in just a few moments as we read how this struggle begins and how some issues come up with inside the church. I want you to notice as we read though, and you do further study with this this week, I want you to notice this. 
there is not that much emphasis in chapter 6 on the problem. The problem is stated, but it is not refuted. We don't know whether this problem existed in reality or if this was a, a thought of someone's mind or a group of, of people thinking this. But uh, they are pointing out the problem. Now, the Scripture is going to look a lot more at the solution than it does at the problem. You know, there are some people who are, uh, their gift is pointing out the problems. I, I, I told some folks this this week, a few years ago, a number of years back, I met a gentleman out by the back door of the church, and uh, he, was, uh, he was, to say the least, upset. And to say it at best, he was livid. And I was just getting out of the car there in the parking place, and he jumped on me with both feet. Now, not in a physical way, but he was telling me everything. And one of the things that I'm, I'm mindful of that he brought up, he said this, have you seen the windows on the buses? Big pardon? Have you seen how dirty the windows on the buses are? And I said, well, I can't tell you that I really had. Well, it's a reproach unto the Lord. I agree. I'll take notice of what the windows look like. But I happen to be standing there just back of that parking space is a little room, and we call that the tool shop. And I didn't have a key, and I was hoping and praying that it would be unlocked, and it happened to be unlocked. And I opened the door, and I reached in, and there was a big spray bottle. Now, I don't know what was in it, so some of this was bluffing. And I got the spray bottle and a rag, and I came out and went, And he said, what's that for? I said, you have pointed out the problem. I'm pointing out the solution. The windows remain dirty. You know, sometimes we can, we can be very good at pointing out the problems when what God wants us to do is to be people who are part of the solution on the to teamwork. Teamwork makes a difference. Now, in chapter 6, the, the thing that is pointed out, let's, uh, let's, let's read through uh, just a little bit of it, if we can, please. And, and, and let, let me give you, have your book out, and, and let's get started uh, on the outline section. Teamwork produced a decisive remedy. It produces a decisive remedy. They saw the need, and then they took the opportunity uh, to draw themselves closer. Now, verse number one tells us about the need. Now, notice this. There arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Now, there's two divisions or subgroups here. There is the traditional strict Hebrew, and there is the Greek Hellenistic Jews that are here. They are considered a more progressive group of Jews. And so there are these two groups that are here. One of them rises up, and here's their complaint. The widows aren't being taken care of properly. In particular, our widows, not all widows, but our widows aren't being taken care of properly. Now, after this, you don't see, there, there's no sitting down debating there's no sitting down, and I, I get tickled because now uh, so there's some popular terms 
and uh, when there's an issue or a problem that's pointed out, everybody says this, we need to have a conversation about this. And you know what I figured out about most of those conversations? They don't do anything. There needs to be action taken to solve the problem. Now, you don't find that they sit down and debate. They don't call a, a committee together to look at it. They say, well, you know, if, if this is, it is. If it's not, it's not. But here's what we're going to do. And there were men chosen who were faithful men, and there's some qualifications given, and they, these men were to be a part of a team which would help to make sure that all of the needs did not rest on the shoulders of a few people. You've got to understand this. The church has exploded at this point. And the ministry needs are everywhere at this moment, at this place. Notice, if you will, letter A, the reality of the need. The reality of the need. Now, the murmuring and complaining are never God's preferred response to personal problems. They never are. No, look down at your book there, if you would, in Numbers in chapter number 11. And when the people complained, it displeased the Lord. Now, the word murmur and its, uh, and its forms appear 40 times throughout the Bible. Do you know how many times they appear and it's a positive form? Zero. It's used 40 times and all 40 times are negative in sense. Exodus chapter 16, the Lord knoweth your murmuring, which, is, which ye murmur against him. And what are, uh, uh, what are we? Uh, your murmurings are against us, but are not against us, but against the Lord. And again, it's never spoken of in a positive way. You have in your book, Philippians chapter 2 and verse 14, do all things without what? Murmurings and disputings. Jude chapter, or Jude in verse 16. Uh, the, these are murmurers, complainers, uh, walking after their own lust. Now, again, just notice quickly what the problem was. There were two groups of people, and one group of people said, our people aren't being taken care of as they should be. So it's isolating it down. What are they looking after? Are they looking after the whole? No. They're looking after what the Scripture says, their own lust. Now, again, I can't, I can't validate this issue and say that this was happening. I can't say that it wasn't. I can tell you this. There's more emphasis put on solving the issue than it was pointing it out. Look at B, if you would, please. The responsibility of the believers. When the problems arise, and they will, what is our responsibility? Now, I want you to notice that verse 2 says that the apostles called the multitude of disciples unto them. There's no longer just 11 or 12 disciples. This has grown. This has expanded out. And uh, they have served the Lord together. They had uh, sacrificed, uh, uh, they had suffered for Christ together. And now they're coming together to, to solve some issue, to solve the problem. There are two significant lessons to remember here. One, as long as there are human beings in the church, some problems are going to come up. If you're looking for a perfect church today, you should join the perfect church. But let me tell you this. When you find a perfect church and you join the perfect church, it is no longer perfect. Because you're not perfect. And I'm not perfect. There are going to be things within the church 
that are not perfect. There's a lesson. There's two lessons here. It is as long as there are human beings in the church, there are going to be problems. And as long as there are spirit-filled people within the church, there are going to be solutions. So the two facts is there's going to be problems, but there are going to also be solutions. And when the problems arise, uh, there's no question, but when the humble people, when uh, the godly people step up, they look for a genuine solution to what needs are presented here. Now, you have to learn some things about uh, teamwork for this. Uh, let me give you an, illustra an illustration of teamwork. Do we have any Duke fans in the class this morning? Would you, are you brave enough to raise your hand? Two, three, four, five. Duke had a basketball player this year. Okay, now don't get mad at me and leave. They should have had a basketball team. Quite truthfully, they had a basketball player. His name was Zion. Zion got tons of media and press. He's a one-year one player, and then he's into, into pro. The night that he went down with an injury, doom and gloom set in. Duke's season changed based on his injury. Then he came back for the tournament. And I'm not just kicking Duke today. I'm not, not, not doing that at all. I'm trying, I, want to, I want to get a point to you. The team consisted of more than just Zion Williams. Now, when he was in the game, it was at one level. And I didn't watch, I don't, I have to go outside because I tell people we don't allow Duke to be watched in our home. And, but when he was out of the game, the game was at this level. Much of their success rode on one man. Now, let me ask you this. How many UVA fans do we have in class this morning? You, okay, Duke, you better be quiet because you're outnumbered. How many of you really don't care? <laughs> now, UVA won the national championship. Sonny and I were watching, I think it, we were watching the news, and the team was pulling back up in Charlottesville. And they had an area cordoned off, literally thousands of people behind these barricades. And people were wanting just to high-five or knuckle-bump or something, you know, just to greet them. And they opened the door of the bus, and here, here comes all these guys off the bus. And my wife literally said this, and she, she doesn't watch a lot of basketball uh, either, but she actually said this. They were coming off the bus. She said, who are those guys? Are, are, are they on the team? Are, are they water boys? What? Uh, you've never seen them before, and, and you hadn't. The first 10 guys off the bus, they didn't look tremendously athletic. They were tall, yeah. But I, I began to sort of scratch my head, and she had a point to it. I said, well, I don't know, not, not seeing the play. And the longer I thought about it, the more it made sense. UVA this year was successful, and they had a very thorough team. They could take a player out, put another one in, and the, the level of play stayed pretty much the same. Who were these first guys getting off of the bus? They were the second and third string. Some of them didn't see two seconds of play the whole game. And you'd say, well, why in the world have them on the team? You know, if you had five players for basketball practice, not a lot of practice gets done. 
No scrimmage gets done. These younger guys getting off the bus were as much a part of a national championship as those that played the majority of the game. Why? Because six days a week, during the season and preseason practice, these guys practiced against the first string. These guys pressured the first string. These guys pushed them to become better players. So what I'm trying to get you to see out of all of that illustration is this. It doesn't matter what place you are on the team. It all leads to the success of the team. I want us to look now, if we can, and see at the priorities of the apostles. The priority of the apostle. I want to cover one thing as we get close to this. In Matthew chapter 5, it says, Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there remember that thou that, that thy brother hath aught against thee, leave, thee uh, leave thy gift at the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled unto him, unto thy brother, and uh, then come and offer your gift. In other words, if we have something that divides us from being unified in spirit, get it taken care of. I think what the scripture is saying is this. You can't worship you can't worship, you can't serve, you can't expect the blessing of God. So if you come to worship, if you come to the altar and you have your gift and you're trying to do the things before the Lord, but yet you know that there's aught against a brother. We're told, go get that taken care of. Why? So the team can benefit from that. A couple has some issues. They're seeing a counselor and the counselor comes to the base idea that the man has some anger issues i know we have no men that way this morning but he has some anger issues he refuses to acknowledge his anger issues the long story shortened just a little bit because of that issue they go through a divorce it's never dealt with. His anger is never dealt with. They move and go their ways. And suddenly, he finds someone else. And he begins to develop a relationship with someone else. But yet, he still has the anger issue. And he marries someone else. Do you know what happens? The problem is still there, and there was no resolution. So there's not going to be any success. I, I heard a fellow say this this week about marriage. He told a couple that were getting ready to get married. They're getting married in a couple weeks. He did this in a public forum. He said marriage is a good institution if you like institutions. Then he said marriage is a great thing. That's why, in my case, I've done it three times now. That ought not be the way we look at marriage. It ought not be the way at all that we look at it. Understand this, church is teamwork, marriage is teamwork. Now when we're looking at this, we need to come back. In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus explained to his followers their responsibilities. And he's explaining to them, you don't, you don't run, you don't hide. 
You don't just point the problem out, you come to the solution of a problem. Now, the, pro the priority that we're getting to in verse number 4, the priority of the apostles, it says, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. They were saying what we're doing, the preaching, the teaching, the ministry of the work, there's a lot of things, and, and let's just I'm be very truthful with you. I, I can't get down there and clean all our bus windows every week. And that's a physical, silly illustration. But this church, and let me go ahead and say this unless I forget to say it later. In the first chapters of Acts, it says that the church was added to. Okay? And then a little bit later when we get into Acts, it said, and the church multiplied. Now, I can tell you this this morning. Most people who have invested in their future and they've invested in some form of market. They would rather see their investment multiplied than added to. Added to is a good thing. It's a continual growth, but it's a slower growth. But when you get into multiplication, things occur faster, larger. And all the men and women in the church, they're saying here, all men and women in the church have a responsibility to pray. And I will say this today, everyone that's in our church as a member has a responsibility to pray for their church. Every member of the church also has a place of ministry or should have a place of ministry. All should pray and all should have a place of ministry in the church. Now, Paul tells Timothy to do the things that he's doing, teaching uh, the things that you have learned and heard of me do, and the same commit thou to faithful men. You teach others so that the faithful men can teach another. And you know what that does? That passes it down to the next generation. I'm very fearful, very fearful of what will happen to most every church in the next 10 years. We, we gave up about 15 years ago. And we said, people don't come to Christ like they did in the 70s and 80s. And you, you can't do it this way, and you can't do it this way, and you can't do it this way. We've pointed out the problems, but we've not come up with any solutions. And, and, and here's, here's the point of what I'm saying. Churches are aging out. There are two churches within 10 miles of us this morning who are aging out. And last Sunday, the two churches became one church. I know I have friends that are, that are in the one church, been Sunday school teachers in the church for about 26 years. In the travels and different churches that I'm in, you know, you know the base group of people that you see are 55 and older. We're losing a generation. And that's why Paul said to Timothy, your responsibility is to take what you've heard of me and then turn around and commit to faithful men so that they will be able to teach others also. It's the progression of the church that we're looking at. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4 down there, if you would, please. Till I come, give attendance to reading and exhortation to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, 
which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of hands by the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, and thy profiting shall appear to all. Take heed to thyself, and then take heed to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt save thyself and them that hear thee. And then chapter 5, verse 17 says, Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they that labor in the word and doctrine. So C, we're looking at the priority of the apostles, and then we come to D. And D is the, pri- the practicality of the solution in this, this teamwork. We're told in Acts chapter 6, look at verse number 3. Look ye out among you seven men whom we may appoint over this business. Now the solution was the simply finding other godly people, gifted people, men and women, uh, who can take the responsibilities. For instance, and just look at our church this morning, uh, the, the uh, chemist left us this week, and they're, one day they're going to get to Canada. I don't know what day, but one day. This has been a, a week and a half for them all in one week. And they finally got to Pennsylvania uh, on Thursday evening late, and uh, they've got about two weeks to wait for some legal paperwork before they can get into Canada I'll not go into, for the sake of our time, everything that happened, but they've had a horrible week with that. But uh, Brad was faithful, ministering here. He found his place, helping in the youth department, of course, playing the organ. Laura jumped in and helped in many places, in particular with first grade Sunday school. And uh, so now we're looking, we've got somebody filling in and praying about it, but we're looking for for full term, for long term, uh, someone to teach in a long-term basis in the first grade with Sunday school. Now, look at the solution. As we're looking at this solution, look at 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10. As, as every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. A lot of folks just sit back. A lot of folks have the wrong concept of church. A lot of folks that look for a church have the wrong concept because they enter the door of the church and, and here's, here's what they say. What can this church do for me? What can this church provide for my family? You know what the church is? It's a venue for God's people to find a way to serve the Lord. That's what the church is. So we're looking at the practicality of the solution. Finding more people, and the scripture talks about godly men, who are going to be able to work. Now, the verse that we just read in 1 Peter talks about our gifts and talents, and everybody has things that are different. You know, one of the fields that we have the most difficult time here in the physical plant of this building getting taken care of? Plumbing issues. God may have equipped you and given you abilities for such a field. That may be God's way of allowing you to serve in the church. And we've got folks that use their electrical uh, field and uh, other people that use different talents, different things as God has equipped you. God's not asking you to do something different than he's equipped you to. But God's saying become accountable for the gifts that you've been given, the knowledge that you've been given, the talents that you've been given. Be a steward of those. Look at number two, if you would, please. The teamwork produced 
divided responsibility. Dividing the responsibility within that congregation wasn't just a good solution. Wasn't just a good solution to a particular problem. It was God's plan. It wasn't just men who sat down and said, okay, here's the solution. Okay, here's the bottle of cleaner and here's the rag. It's not just that. It's God's way. Every person, and I've said it for years, sort of a theme, and sometimes we back off and don't say it as much, but every member of the church matters. Every member of the church should be involved in ministry. Well, I can't preach and I can't teach. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying you should do those things. But God's given you something to do. Side note of that, this week, Remy came upstairs for a little while. He sat down, you know, he was going to be a police officer, and then he's going to be a preacher. Now he's going to be a preaching police officer. And he, what spurred some of this is that his parents bought him a new Bible, and he's very proud of that Bible. He came up and sat down on my lap this week. He said, okay, Pop. I said, well, what are you doing for him? He said, I came up here for you to teach me. And I said, what did you come up here for me to teach you? He said, I want you to teach me everything about preaching. And I didn't ask him how long he had or how short it was. I told him, I said, well, that won't take but a couple minutes. You can be back downstairs before Paw Patrol takes, takes the next few years. But provided this uh, teamwork produced a divided responsibility. Romans chapter 12, look at your booklet there if you would please. For as we have many members in, the, in one body and all members have not the same office. So we being many are one body in Christ and every one members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the corporations of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, or he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, and he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. All these verses just saying simply this, we're all one body. Isn't it amazing what the, when, when one member of the body doesn't do as it is supposed to, it can shut you down. I, I have an issue, I'm on a medication that causes gout, and if you've never had gout before, I'd be glad to give you some. I have a case that gout sets in my foot. I'm going to tell you this. I have missed church on a Sunday. I, I had to call a couple of years ago, and Dr. Sumter took my place for me. I could not put my foot on the floor without screaming. Now, I had preached with it before and kept my foot up this way and made it through. Isn't it amazing what a toothache can do to you? What a bruise can do to you. And a toothache can shut you down. The scripture is simply saying, listen, we're all individual parts. And every part has its place. The bodies that God has given us, he's given us multiple parts. Those parts are for our use and they're all important. Many of you, probably everybody in the room just about knows that I'm missing a part. You say, what good is a big toe? 
One, it keeps your shoe from curling up on the end. Two, it helps you to be able to walk up the steps. I fall up the steps every week. I'll put that foot up there and push down, and I forget, and the front of my shoe goes flip, and I fall. Do you know how embarrassing that is when there's a kindergarten class coming up at school? And they're all walking up the stairs and can do it successfully and you're 50 years old and you can't. There's a balance that's off. God intended us to have that part. Every part is important. Every piece of the team. Sonia said that the other day. I'm not saying anything poorly about her, but she said, what are those, the water boys? Do you realize the water boys are pretty important? I watched as those players came off the court in a timeout or when they had been subbed and the first person that they were greeted by was some young man or young lady with a big bottle of water or something to hydrate themselves with. And they only get a 30 second, 45 second rest. And what are they doing? If that wasn't there and they had to find it themselves, every one of those ought to be awarded for a part of the teamwork. Listen, in the church, there's nothing small. There are some places in the church that get a little bit more notice. But there's no small place in the ministry of Christ. Teamwork produced a divided responsibility. A, sincere work, an honest report. Now, there are three specific characteristics that we're looking at this morning. A sincere work, an honest report. These are to be genuine men. These aren't to be hypocritical men. These need to be men who don't just talk it, but they're able to walk in faithfulness. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, and verse number 12, and there are six areas of example here. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believer. In what? Word. In conversation. Now, you say, well, isn't he being repetitive? One is our words. Second is our conversation. Do you know you can communicate in ways other than just words? Let me ask you this. Could your mother communicate in ways other than just words? Bless her heart, my mother's here, and she can communicate in ways other than just words. Listen, there's a way that that lady could tilt her head and look at me. And she wrote volumes with that. Do you know this? There are, there's body language that communicates with people. There are gesture. You can tell things about. So in word and then in conversation, communication. In charity, we know that word to be loved. In spirit, in faith, and in purity. A good report, good reputation. First Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 7. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without. What does that mean? That means not just a good report within the confines of the church, but a good report in those that are outside. What do the people in the world think about us? What is our reputation with them? Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and a snare of the devil. I, listen, I know folks today that are having a hard time coming back to church or coming to church because they've gotten back into a snare with the world. P. 
people that they stood and testified of Christ for a long time. And suddenly some things begin to come back up and they begin to visit some of the old haunts. You understand what I'm saying? They begin to associate with some of the old people. They begin to perform and do some things with the old crowd and now it's difficult for them. So those that are without. Now we read in the book of John, 3 John and 12, it says, Demetrius hath a good report of all men. That ought to be, <clears throat> that ought to be our goal. Notice B, if you would, please. <coughs> a spiritual walk. A spiritual walk full of the Holy Ghost. To be filled, we must, first of all, empty of ourselves. And we're not going to take a lot of time with this point this morning. We just taught a whole lesson on being filled with the Holy Ghost. Being filled with the Holy Spirit. Being under the influence of what the Holy... Our memory verse this week is the fruit of the Holy Spirit in us. When the Holy Spirit resides in us, and if you're saved, you don't have an option for that. If you're saved, when you were saved, the Holy Spirit came to live. God came to live within you. And He's going to bear fruit of that. I've talked about that cherry tree in our backyard for years. I looked out the back window the other day, and it was loaded with blooms. First time in a couple years it's been that way. It's loaded with blooms. And I know about the first week of June, it's going to be loaded with cherries. And I'm already lining grandkids up. I've already said, you've got to come help me pick the cherries off this tree. Why? Because last year it had some blooms and some cherries, and we didn't taste one of them off of it because the birds got to them too fast. Now, I'm going to tell you, that is, and I've told you this, that is the ugliest tree in the winter. It's an ugly tree in the winter. But what's on the inside of that tree, the life that's on the inside of that tree, has to bear fruit. Just a few weeks ago, when the cherry trees began to blossom, that which was on the inside is being manifested outside. A spiritual walk full of the Holy Ghost. Galatians, our memory verses. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, faith, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. Nobody can say one bad thing about you when you have the fruit of the Holy Spirit. But notice it says also, and they that, were, that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And let's look at C together. We looked at a spiritual walk full of the Holy Ghost. And now a sensible wisdom, wisdom whom we may appoint over this business. Level-headed, competent in the ways of God. Proverbs chapter 4 is written for you. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Forget it not, neither decline from the words of thy mouth. And I quote so often what Dr. Lakin said because it made an influence in my mind. The fact that you can be born ignorant, but it's your fault if you remain ignorant. So what, is the, what does it say in Proverbs? Get wisdom. Get wisdom. Get understanding. That's the learning process. 
How do we begin with wisdom? How do we get that wisdom? The Bible tells us this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. He goes on to say, Forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Love her, and she will keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. And then in Proverbs chapter 9, and verse 10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Now Moses, as he divided the responsibilities of God's work, was instructed to find this kind of men also in Exodus chapter 28 and verse 3. Chosen people that are important. Now let's come to number three, if we may please. Finishing up this morning, teamwork produced a divine results. A divine results. What is the first result? Notice what happened. We find, first of all, that their need was met. Teamwork is good for the whole, not just for the good of a few. Now remember the accusation that was made, the murmuring that came up? The two groups and one group said this, and the problem was not dwelt on, but there was a solution. Okay, if by chance this is happening, we're not going to solve the problem just for this group. We're going to solve the problem for everybody. So their need was met. And look at B, if you would, please. The number was multiplied. And again, back to the thoughts that it moved past just being added to. The church was being multiplied, and we finished this morning with C. Their nation was moved. Their nation was moved. Verse number 7, great company of the priest were obedient to the faith. A lot of things that happened in these next few chapters. The early church had learned this. They had learned how to make a difference. Through wisdom and knowledge, we learned this this morning. Together, we can make a difference. Teamwork makes a difference. Now, what part of the team are you on? What, what are you doing? And that doesn't matter what part of the team. We gave the physical illustration this morning of that basketball team. Listen, I've told you this. The water boy's important. The statistician's important. The physical trainer's important. Just as important as the big-name player on the court. Each one, together, make him beneficial. Each one of us, together, Make him, make Christ beneficial. Let's stand together if we can, please. Choir, make your way quickly back. Brother Young is ready and waiting for you. And we'll be back in the church service. Morning service, we're going to look at this hour, this particular hour that has come. Let's be dismissed in prayer if we can this morning. And as we are, let me ask Brother Charlie Gooden if you'd pray for us, please.